0: Hi, you're listening to Track Changes, the official podcast of Post Light, a digital product studio at 101 Fifth Avenue in New York City. My name is Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of Postlight, And I'm Rich Ziotti, uh, the other co-founder of so Postlight. Rich and I are well caffeinated, but our voices are a little grumbly because we did karaoke last night with The Office. We did. And we should tell people we sang Islands in the Stream. Duet. To get everybody kicked off. Rich took the Dolly Parton part and I for... Really a lot of obvious reasons took the Kenny, Kenny Rogers part.
1: I, th- I thought it came together. We did
0: good, we did good. So look, Rich, tell people what Postlight does. Postlight is a digital product studio
1: in New York City. We uh, design, build, architect, ship. We love to ship technology products from web to apps to just about anything. We're a product shop. We love to bring it all together and ship great product.
0: So about half of our work is in the media industry, which is one hell of an industry, as I can tell you, from long experience. That's one way to put it, Paul. And the media industry has many tricky things going on with it, in particular that you can now read and do and experience all your media digitally. Which is tricky because all the margins used to be in moving things around physically and people would go to bookstores and buy them.
1: And newsstands and record stores and we're talking about media in a general sense.
0: So we have someone with us today who is riding that tornado. (laughs) Uh, Her name is Maris Christman. Hi. Hi, thank you for being here.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. What is this title that you have
2: here? I am the editorial director of Book of the Month. Book of the month is a ninety-year-old club that was revamped uh, about a year and a half ago um, to appeal to a younger audience.
0: Okay, so what? It's a month every month. There's yep. a book.
2: There's five books.
0: Whoa! Every make, month.
2: Every month.
0: Whoa! You let's go. Offer? Let's go back ninety years. Yes. <laughs> what was going on ninety years ago?
2: <laughs> ninety years ago, there was a panel of judges at this book club that discovered. Little-known authors such as Truman Capote and Cormac McCarthy, and oh, and the first was of course Margaret Mitchell.
0: Oh, Gone with the Wind, Margaret Mitchell. Yes. Okay, so so they're like, hey, you might enjoy this book, Gone with the Wind.
2: And what happened was they built this critical mass of members, so that there came a point where they got kicked off the New York Times bestseller list because it was too influential. And so every book of the month club pick would be at the top of the bestseller list.
0: Right. So I mean, this is this is a very American story. Things like Sears Roebuck show up yes. and they are like, here's a centralized place to buy all of your stuff.
2: Absolutely. Using
0: this amazing technology known as the catalog. Yep. And we'll mail it to you on on trains, and there'll be all these efficiencies, and we'll centralize and make lots of money. And
2: indeed.
0: And that so that was Book of the Month Club. You don't have to go to that bookstore anymore.
2: No, no. So we we have a website. It's all e-commerce. We choose five books a month, and we still have a great panel of judges who endorse all of our books. And then you can, if you're a member, you can either choose one book or three if you want, or you can skip a month. That's okay, too. Um, and it
0: comes right there in the mail.
2: And it comes in the mail, and so it's there's it's this a tec- cover.
0: There's a technology. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called e-books, and they're on your phone. <laughs>
2: yes.
0: And you can get lots of them and you carry sure can. C- carry hundreds of them around. So I mean the Kindle is the dominant brand yes. around ebooks. Well, what's interesting is ninety years ago you had like the the paradigm of Book of the Month Club was similar to like like an Amazonish paradigm. Like we're going right. to bring everybody together and make it really easy for them to get these books. so so this is weird. <laughs> that or, or just not the mainstream business narrative. So what's actually going on?
2: So a couple of things are going on. One is that Amazon today can be an overwhelming place for a casual book reader. Mm-hmm. There's so much information thrown at you that our members really like that we are narrowing their choices down to five books that we think are the best books of the month that they will love. I also think that there is something about the tactile experience of holding a book that just can't be replaced by phones and e-readers. And I think, especially for me today, the idea of putting my technology down and picking up a book is very empowering and helpful.
0: No, it's sensible. I know when I I read on the uh, Kindle app on the phone, Mm -hmm. and I make it often about 10, 15 minutes into a book before something happens. Twitter.
1: Well, well yeah. it's, not re- <laughs> it's not really a book, right? It's it. You, you'll be reading and it's going well and then the notification about whatever you've got going on, whether yep. it's the ESPN app or it's the Twitter app or it's the anything app, it's just like someone interrupting you constantly. So it's really not an ebook. The Kindle captures it a little better yes. because you don't get as much tapping on the I shoulder. Mean, not, not the app, but the actual sort the of e- actual The device. actual e- e- device. Paper, yeah. Tries to shut out all those... All all that noise, but...
2: And I say this as a a former employee of Nook, which Mm -hmm. is Barnes & Noble's uh, e-reader, I have a Kindle now, Uh, you know, not my favorite company to endorse, but when I'm choosing books, I choose far enough in advance that, you know, there aren't often no physical galleys, so I'm reading a lot in digital. So, weirdly, to help my hardcover business thrive, um, I'm reading a lot on my Kindle.
1: Interesting.
0: So your day-to-day job is evaluating books that people are going to want to receive in the mail. Yes. Okay. What goes into that?
2: Um, a whole bunch. One is considering the five books that are going to be broad enough that our members will like them, but still tailored to our audience's taste. Um, and is there,
0: is there something that like, is it like one nonfiction, one fiction?
2: Stuff like that. Um, it's predominantly fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually like to have a thriller each month. And then, you know, I like to have the one challenging literary fiction that might not be for everybody, but it's kind of pushing readers ahead a little bit. And then, you know, a memoir or a true crime, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I think our members are coming to us for kind of beyond the best seller list kinds of recommendations. Like they know who James Patterson is, they don't need our help figuring that out. Sure. Um, So we sure like to have debut authors and lesser known authors be in our program.
1: So I want to stereotype your customer base. Yes. They're in upstate somewhere.
2: Sure. Okay. Not every state uh, <laughs> has it. This
0: is someone who grew up in Bay Ridge. That not every state has up Brooklyn, an upstate. So bear with me here for a second. Um,
1: they're at least within a mile or two of, of a shop that sells fudge. And they're over 40.
0: Wait, let me try this. Let me try this very tight. I
1: think I might have failed terribly here, <laughs> but go ahead, Paul.
0: Well, the interesting thing here is the vast majority of fiction readers are women. Yes. So I'm assuming that that... I'm, I'm very curious if your demographics align with that or if they're different.
2: Indeed, they do. Yeah. Uh, at last check, there it's it's more than 90%. No, right?
1: Oh, wow. I was going to guess 60. That's now, incredible.
0: There's a great... Um, I think it was Sherman Alexie, who's a, a great writer, just came out at one point and was just like, we need to thank the middle class women who buy our mm-hmm. books because that... like, The publishing industry has a tendency to literally patronize and it's like, that's Indeed. not your customer. Right. Your customer... Is I was once in a room and with a bunch of editors and somebody was like, "We should do a takedown on book clubs. They're ridiculous." And it's like, "No, that's, that's it. Like that is the the <laughs> way that we all survive. Right? Is through book clubs."
2: But the the one thing that you didn't get that I think you'll find surprising and exciting is that um, most of our members are in their twenties and early thirties. Most um,
1: the majority the majority
2: interesting. And I think part of that is that. They're now used to subscription services in a way that mm. um, our oh, no, parents, you know, there's Birchbox and That's there's... Right.
0: This is, so all those like annoying dudes with their silly subscription services have laid the ground for a rebirth of... Uh,
2: Absolutely. <sighs> I wasn't ready for that. Well, <laughs> even beyond
1: books, right? I mean, subscription model everything. is everything. Right?
0: Razors.
2: Razors. Underwear. Tampons.
0: Yeah. Underwear, I don't know anything about, but whatever. Oh, no, everything. There's a subscription <laughs> for ev- No. Because what happened is it became a startup model that... Disrupted. Well, just sort of like three dudes with $100,000 in VC funding <laughs> could get a box made and a brand and then put stuff in the box yeah. and be like, we're going to, you know, and a Google spreadsheet and be like, yeah. we're going to innovate. Yeah. So this was the original model for that.
2: Yeah.
0: How, how do you get a new customer?
2: Um, we do more marketing and advertising on Facebook and Instagram than any traditional publisher does.
0: Interesting. Now wait, who decided to resurrect Book of the Month Club in this new sort of more digitally savvy My
2: boss, John Lipman, is the CEO, and he came in and really... How,
0: How did he come by this remarkable asset? Is it owned by somebody, Book of the Month Club?
2: You know, mm, I might not be the best person to That's address. Fine. This. We can, okay. <laughs> That's
0: private, fine. It's private. I mean,
2: obviously, it's private. It's
0: a private company, and some well, someone owns a company that is Book of the Month Club. Yes, and Bookspan
2: in general, which okay. is um, Book of the Month and a bunch of other book clubs that have been around for decades.
0: And it gets a new CEO, and they're like, "Look, people know what this is. What can you do?" Right. Okay. And then he calls you in. Yep. Okay. How many? How big is this organization?
2: There are about 15 people working specifically on Book of the Month, but our organization is about 60.
0: Okay, and how do books come to you?
2: Um, So that's been an interesting part of my job because I have been a book critic, I have been a book blogger, um, so I have all of these relationships with editors and publicity people and marketing people, and traditionally the clubs have subsidiary rights representatives who are the ones who actually sell the books.
0: So if we don't have a real publishing audience. Explain what those are.
2: Okay, so you have the subrights people at publishing houses. Sell rights. They sell book club rights is is a, a small part of what they do. It used to be a huge part back in the early days of book of the month, and we're hoping that it'll grow again. Um, they also often sell foreign rights. So if if a publisher holds world rights to a book, they can try to get you know a, a British edition, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another thing that had seemed to be on its way out is for serial rights, which is letting a publication excerpt a small piece of, of the book.
0: I mean, it's tricky for people to understand because I think they think of books as objects, but the rights are the real business of the book, right? Okay, so so this stuff is sort of filtering to you. Yes. And to get to those five, (laughs) how many books does it take?
2: Um, I have a short list of about 40 a month. Okay. Um, So basically one of the hardest parts. How much
0: skimming do you have to do?
2: I do some skimming. I do some skimming, but I'm a bad skimmer. I usually want to find out what happens. Sure. But one of the hardest things about working in books is that there is no centralized location that tells you exactly when books are coming out and in what order. So I basically keep a spreadsheet of all the books that I know about, and then I use that list to cull it down to 40.
0: (laughs) I've thought about this problem before, because there is a metadata standard throughout the book publishing industry called, I believe, Onyx, which is, yeah, and so Onyx, like, has all the information, like, people publish in Onyx, and Barnes & Noble knows everything that's coming out, I'm assuming, right? But like. No one else does. That's not a decentralized.
1: So it's like a data, like a public database. Or it's actually or just an a, industry database. It's a,
0: it's a schema, so they can like send their info to Barnes and Noble. Oh, I see. Right. I see. Or to it's Amazon. A standard. Yeah, it's am, a standard. Amazon Got ingests it. a lot of Onyx, but there's no centralized open clearinghouse for Onyx data. Got it. So only big players know what's getting published. Got it. Uh, has is, anyone that, is that actually accurate? That's my memory I, of how I, it works. I think so. Okay. All right, so this is the, so you actually have to figure out the publishing industry because yes. you're a smaller player. Yes, on a on a week to week and month to month basis. Yes. Okay, so you're updating a your Google spreadsheet all the time.
2: All the time, and you know I've had a lot of jobs in the book publishing industry, but I've never. Quite understood exactly what's coming out and what the process is so much as I have in this past year.
0: It's grisly when you get in there, right? It's
2: it's pretty grisly.
0: What what's happening in the book publishing industry these days? Since you have a good observatory,
2: I think that a good thing is that the finally the um, billionaire schema has died. The sadistic billionaire oh, romance. Oh, like the um, 50 Shades uh, of Grey. Yes. Yes. So, um, so,
0: less women being sexually tortured for fun. Yeah, more, more I mean,
2: I think else. that might still happen in ebooks a little bit more, sure. but. Um, there's always a market. There's a, but, but that's died down. Um, How I think are
0: dragons? Are dragons okay?
2: Dragons are okay. Uh, the dragons next, have
0: enjoyed like a 15 year run.
2: <clears throat> we really thought mermaids were going to have a moment, and then they really mm-hmm. didn't.
0: Because they can't walk.
2: I, that might be why. Yeah.
0: Where are you, what are you going to do? They can go like two places. And then when they <laughs> get out of the water, they can't talk, which is bad. Like yeah. Mermaids that, can't talk? When they get out of the water and the, and the, the witch has cursed them. What? <laughs> 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 no, <this> is <laughs> Rich is very confused right now. The, um, all right. So basically when the mermaid gets out of the water, long story short, she's lost her voice. So wait, generally? No, in the stories about the mermaid. So you know, I mean, like there's a legendary story about a mermaid. Well, not legendary. It's Hans Christian Andersen through Disney. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> it's a really tricky thing because how many times can you need to, like describe her eyes or or like her new legs or whatever? Right. And then you got to have her say or do something. Right. Sure. It's, it's a tricky one. I, and it's I think tricky. like you set yourself up for the medium because I mean it's perfect as an animated film. But but a, like a lot of mermaid rela- a mermaid related trilogy. Uh, I feel like we're going off the rails here. Are we? Let's stay focused. Let's stay
1: focused on what we're. Uh, you know the digital transformation of book of the club, a book M- of the month. Uh, I have a question for. I have two questions. Yes. For you. Um. Ha, do you do like sponsored book? No. You don't. No. So there's no like. Here are the four that we picked no. out, and then there's a sponsor, and it's got a little font because you don't really want to emphasize that it's sponsored. You don't do that.
2: No, these are all hand-picked. Okay. Do
0: publishers try to
1: convince you?
2: Um, uh, they haven't actually done that yet. Has anyone
1: tried to pay you off?
2: <laughs> no one's tried to pay me off as Never? far as I know. No, Never. no. Dinner? um
0: dinner's not dinner yeah. and publishing doesn't really count oh yeah, boy. no no because it's actually it's an expensive dinner culture oh uh, it is it's really it's just hard part to, of the game yeah it's part really of the game. really hard I to see. convince like you could take me to per se and tell me something and i it would it still wouldn't be like a sway got it i like, haven't
2: been to per se by the way
1: <laughs> <laughs> You've been to some nice places. Yes, I yeah. have. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um, okay. All right.
0: People, I did, people slide books across the table, you know, in like brown paper. Brown yeah. Paper, yeah.
1: That's interesting to hear, though. Like, so your credibility and your objectivity is a big deal here yeah. in this
0: yeah. world. Well, I think you're. This, it's it's a tricky one because you're not necessarily a journalistic organization, but you have a no. an implied bond with your customer.
2: Absolutely, And, you know, we try to choose judges who we respect a lot, who I think our audience respects a lot. And they're made up of different authors and book critics and people who work at online publications. And it's a whole great mix. Oh, so
1: recognizable Yeah, names. yeah, yeah. Got it. You know, like, I, what this makes me think of is... I think twice or three times a year Bill Gates he writes a pretty well known write up of like here's what I read this summer
0: oh those books all do well he's he's like he's pretty influential yeah
1: and they're usually always nonfiction. Well, there used to be.
0: I mean, the, the tremendous force of Oprah's book club. Yes, that was a huge deal. for That, that. I think it that's sure what was. makes
1: me think about the res- like a resurgence of some kind because she would put you on the map
0: in such a huge way. Just no, that's by a, she moved. She moved the whole market. I mean, it's not the biggest market in the world. It's not like she's. No. Sl- it's not like cars, but
2: nonetheless,
0: <laughs> like an Oprah book club uh, endorsement would change that's your fortune. That's the stamp
2: of approval. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. I think it's hard for people to understand too like one hit book at that scale is the key to a large publishing company surviving for another couple of years.
2: Absolutely. and and I think in terms of like the key changes um, that I've seen in the industry, since I started 15 years ago, is that there, there's a much smaller mid-list, which is like right. the books that you give an advance of sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000, and you hope that the readers find them. Mm-hmm. So many of the books published by big publishers today have huge marketing budgets, have huge advances, and they have to work.
0: Right. Right. Well, to the point that you get like a James Patterson who becomes a brand, and then other people start writing the books for, for him. him. Yeah. yeah. And but he's he's what makes it possible for Little Brown to keep publishing books. You know, and it's like inside of Hachette. So there's a lot of like these giant orgs where they're balancing the slightly trashier, bigger brands against.
2: <laughs> you said that. I'm me. allowed to say it. <laughs> I, uh, nobody, nobody
0: cares what I think about publishing. And um, Okay. So you're in this world where let me let me throw a term at you and see what you think about it middle brow?
2: It's hard because I'm in a book publishing bubble in New York City. Mm -hmm. And that word is frowned upon greatly. Mm -hmm. But I think that if we looked at the better side of it, we're looking for people who like to read. Mm-hmm. And it's not their maybe their main identity.
0: Or their job.
2: Or their job. And they're looking for entertainment, which sometimes we forget because we're so excited about who will win an award and who's breaking ground. And sometimes people just like a good story. Mm-hmm. And if that's middle brow, then
0: we've... What does middle brow mean? It's a kind of beer. Middle <laughs> <laughs> no. Highbrow things are... Um, you know, very cool. Snooty and. Yeah, like, chamber music at Lincoln Center. Got is, is it. Highbrow. Got it. Uh, and middle um, brow is sort of. Um, it's like. Orange is the new black. That would actually be an archetypal. It's like. It's beloved of highbrow critics, but it's actually archetypal middle yeah, brow. It's very accessible to everybody. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go out of its way to have an intellectual posture. Yeah. It doesn't signal. <laughs> a kind of, but it doesn't signal a kind of like inaccessibility. Sure. It doesn't go Which like, is middle brow. Whereas um That I, PBS series where it's like the
1: fourteen hundreds or whatever.
0: That those are often aiming for high brow. See, the tricky thing with Amer- with our stuff is like it's often actually really middle brow, like Downton Abbey, like, that's the name of it. See, that's like middle brow tending to Trying, try. It, well, it,
2: now we're having this prestige TV argument, which is a whole other right, thing. Right, right. Yeah,
0: we immediately went to TV. So this, <laughs> but this is the thing, right? Like the middle brow is actually kind of the sacred space of American publishing. It's where sure. all the money is made. The high brow is ends up in academic presses and pieces. So it's it's interesting hearing like what would qualify. So there's a thriller, and then there's something a little more literary. In yeah,
2: thing. and then there's, you know, we, we hope for perhaps a historical fiction or... Mm-hmm.
0: Um, historical fiction means you get it, like everything works out with historical fiction, right? Like it's, it's history, it can be very highbrow and very trashy and just...
2: Absolutely. I think, I think with historical fiction, one of the things I love about it is actually being able to learn about a culture mm-hmm. or, or something else without having to read a history book.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. I want to come back to paper.
2: Yeah.
1: And I have friends who never jumped on Kindle. It's not like they tried it and then they went back to paper. And they couldn't articulate for me. I'm a geek. I, I think the Kindle, I was like, wow, that's great. I don't have to carry around a bunch of stuff. I can put 11 books on this thing that weighs about four ounces. So that's very sexy to me. I'm trying to understand what it is about... Is it the artifact? Is it that you get put this thing on a shelf after the fact? Like, what is it? I can't can't hear the argument anymore. It was like, I like to feel paper.
2: No, my argument, and and this is really only for me and my reading experience, is that I read so much and I am so grateful for my Kindle because I can carry, you know, 20 books with me everywhere I go. Right. This is your profession. But when I'm reading in paper, I feel like I, I tend to remember more. I have a, a better grasp of the material, maybe because I'm physically grasping it. Huh. And then putting it back on my shelf, I can look at the book and feel some of the feelings that I felt when I was reading it, which is something that cannot be done on a Kindle.
1: A re- reflecting on the thing because it's there and it could be there for years yeah, after the fact. Exactly. Right.
0: I agree with that. and I mean, that is, that is All right, I've Wait. got
1: an idea. Okay. When you're done reading a book... The 42-inch screen you have at home, it knows that you finished the book, and it digitally puts it on the screen. So as you finish books, the TV is compiling books on the screen, like a screensaver. What do you think? It's we don't need the shelf anymore. We can work this
0: out, guys. <laughs> it's, it's not the worst idea. Okay. I mean,
2: <laughs> it's actually... But then how will I watch TV?
0: Yeah. Oh, no, you could you could flip off
1: it okay, and, I, watch, I okay, and watch you know. TV, but... I think this is a winner right here. It is. <laughs> if you want to run with this book, book of the book, go. It's, it's, it's
0: I think that points to something interesting. You did just remind me, like, I never see people with giant reams of paper in tote bags on the train anymore, which no. used to be a big part of New York City. Yeah. Cause it the whole really pu- was. the whole publishing industry yeah. just carried reams of printouts. I yeah.
2: always said, you know, I was an editorial assistant in 2001, and our entire jobs were to fight paper. We yeah. we had to print things out. We had to sure. distribute manuscripts. We had to fax things. We had to file things. We like had infighting because some people knew where the good Xerox machine was, <laughs> you know. And right. and and that's gone now. And I think that's incredible. Yeah. it's true
0: because a, a a manuscript would weigh three or four pounds, and yeah. you might have three of them. So it's like just ten extra pounds at all times. Right. Yeah. Uh, for
1: the profession, obviously the tools. Have gotten way better yes. and way more for Edi- the
0: profession. Editors were very excited about e-paper early days. Like they were all, when they started to hear about it, because they're like, "I that would make my life change, physically yeah, better." Yeah.
2: In uh, the year 2000, I was at the Radcliffe Publishing Course, and Stephen King had just released the first ebook, and we were told that it was going to change our lives forever, and it eventually did. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it just took a little Simultaneously, or no. just on ebook. Uh, just on ebook.
1: Wow, okay, that's a big move. yeah.
2: yeah and um, it took it took a while after that but but I think it really did.
0: Yeah look one of the things we did when we created this space is um, I asked if I could have a nice library area and mm-hmm. I brought in I have a collection of books about technology sort of focused on the history of technology and, and digital stuff and I'm very fond of them and they're kind of they've been sitting at home. So I had a. there's a place for them here. And having those spines and looking at those spines is very evocative. It's very meaningful. It's part of what sort of on my writerly side of my career, uh, it's really important. Like I actually mm-hmm. will go in there and I will look at those books and I will think new thoughts because of the juxtaposition of those spines. Mm-hmm. And there's two ways to look at it. One is that there's something magical about paper, but I think it's just the, the prioritization and how people do interface work and how they think about books digitally never takes that experience into account. They don't think about the whole book. They think about how to list it. They think about it as a node in a database and they think about the price and the margins associated with it.
1: Yeah, I think generally speaking, uh, the disposability of stuff is a big part of digital and people view it as a very positive thing. Mm -hmm. Like the article, that's been solved. Like Sure. The the, the article, that, that discrete unit is perfect for digital. Like I just don't need it anymore. I'm done. It's topical. It's like it's mm-hmm. it's irrelevant in four true. days. I,
0: I read the Times more than I used to when I got it on paper, and I don't yeah. miss the stack. That is true.
1: Yeah. Right. That that part I just think that's word. been conquered. I feel like, and you know, and the, you know, apps like Snapchat and whatnot. It's all very transient, right? So, and I think recently they came out with some stats that physical books have a resurgence happening, yeah. and yeah. and that it's picking up. And I think it's because of the permanence. Of the thing. I
2: mean, one interesting point about Book of the Month is that our biggest social media channel is Instagram and we have more than a quarter million followers. And people love the idea of books as objects that are beautiful, mm. that are that are symbolic of the way you live. right. And I don't see that going away anytime yeah. soon.
0: Right. So that's that evocative experience. I'm going get do they all come at once when they come in the mail?
2: Um, th- there, there's, you know, not everybody chooses on the first day. Right. And you get to choose, so you know, okay. it's just not automatically sent. Mm-hmm. So, you know, first couple of weeks of the month.
0: Do you think that Columbia House Records could have a chance for like the 12 <sighs> for a penny? Yikes. <laughs> um, I haven't seen that. I so mean, nobody's gonna you get laugh, but,
2: but... I mean, I look I at the vinyl at resurgence as as like a comparable kind of.
0: I was laughing at your expression, not at my <laughs> own. You were just like, ah, okay.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Would this ever go digital? Would you guys? Is, is that under consideration? I mean, oh, I thought it. I thought there is a digital version. No. No.
2: Oh, so you no. just go to the website and take a look at the books, but then
1: only physical. Only physical. But you're, ca- you're handling e-commerce and all that stuff mm-hmm. at Book of the Month. Mm-hmm.
0: That's the thing. Everything about this sounds digital, except for the ultimate thing that comes. Absolutely. In the mail. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so the brands out there. See, this is this to me is fascinating. Is you take the the thing that has some latent value, the brand, the identity. Right. Because uh, millions of people know, and then you see what you can do.
2: I would, ar- I mean, one of my biggest challenges, though, is going back to the publishing industry who, ha- you know, most people there have known about Book of the Month for many, many years and have an idea of what it is, and then our audience actually doesn't know that history quite sure, well. Sure, of
0: course. I, the, the 20 and 30-year-olds yeah. yeah. didn't grow up with it in the same way. Exactly. Right, but a 55-year-old editor did. Like yes. They were aware of it yes. as this great cultural force. Yes. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So how... How did you get into this? How would you get here?
2: As I mentioned before, I was an editorial assistant way back in the day. Mm -hmm. And for years and years and years, all I thought I wanted to be was a book editor. Mm -hmm. And part of that was because... I loved working in a publishing house. I loved knowing that there was a direct path that I could follow to get to where I wanted to be.
0: Yeah, but writers are exhausting.
2: <laughs> they, they sure are. Yeah, but, um, but they're a necessary piece of the puzzle. Oh, what do you do? If you could
0: get them out of the process, it would be so <laughs> much for
2: everybody. I've become part therapist, too.
0: Yeah, of course.
2: Um, and then it just turned out that my career didn't work in that step-by-step way. Mm-hmm. And I spent some time at... Barnes & Noble at Nook. I was at Kickstarter doing publishing outreach and Mm -hmm. helping individual publishers and authors grow. And then I got to Book of the Month because I started as a judge. I started as a judge about a year and a half ago, enjoyed it so much that when I saw that there was an editorial director position open, I went for it.
0: So this used to be a tremendous force in the industry. Yes, it and it
2: is growing.
0: It's growing, okay. I mean, but this—it's uh, interesting because it's sort of like as we're talking about it, it's clear this is a reboot and that there is a lot going from the ground yeah. up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but it used to be that people cowered in fear of, of Book of the Month Club, like right. I mean, if but it, then
1: it got it got disrupted. Yep. Because of the changes in technology, yep. and Absolutely. now it's was resurgical. that
0: actually was that what did it? Was it was it kind of trundling along until Internet and Amazon
2: showed up? I think so.
0: Okay. I got to yeah. imagine Amazon became just a Amazon. force. Amazon was had designed to, be to, to obliterate with. in early days, Book of the Month. But the core thesis here is that there is a desire among enough human beings, let's say a couple yes. million human beings, who still are like, I want these paper books in my house, mm-hmm. on my shelves, and mm-hmm. I want to read them. Yes. Okay.
1: I'm going to make a prediction, a very controversial one that within 10 years Amazon buys you and you become part of Amazon Prime which is incredibly convenient because you get two <laughs> days delivery
0: day I uh, Maris can say nothing it's really good like and just it's rich uh, uh, likes to make people squirm. you can no, imagine what my not. face looks like yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> you think that's a t- you think that's a really bad thing
2: um I think there has to d- be diversity in what is in marketplaces right
1: but they did leave Zappos alone. They left Good. I think they left Goodreads alone. Uh, Did uh, they uh. shut down Goodreads? No, <laughs> no, down. Goodreads is down.
2: killing it. But
1: okay, so they kind of leave you alone. Uh,
0: All
2: right, uh, look, I'm not. Just
1: to be clear, I am not advocating, and I do not represent a- Amazon.
0: In I just any think you way. They, they're probably not allowed in the Zappos compound in, in <laughs> yeah. Las Vegas. It's yeah, like that's like probably the, part of like the a deal. Guard llama there <laughs> that they're not allowed to walk past. I mean, the thing <laughs>
2: that I that I want to try to do f- at Book of the Month is. Uh, imitate the experience of being at the coolest indie bookstore in your neighborhood if you don't live near an indie bookstore right. where there are passionate booksellers right. who have read the books and are really excited about them and don't use algorithms at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amazon is not that, well,
2: very
1: <laughs> clearly. But the funny
0: thing is Amazon has tried to be this about 35 separate times. Yeah. I can't get it. It's just too it can't big. get it right. yeah. They have opened up their own publishing houses. Yeah. They have hired sort of reviewers and curatorial readers and all this stuff. They've done this but they can't get it at that scale. It just doesn't work.
1: Well, it's just an attack, right? They see a geography that they want to conquer and they've tried all angles and this Mm -hmm. one this is one of the more like you know, you can subscribe to Dishwashing liquid on Amazon, and that
0: one's well, this much
1: less <laughs> complicated to conquer than this world, which has so much cult- well, culture is, is
0: intertwined. Is the, they conquered it, but then book people would show up, and they'd be like, we want to do the right thing. and But it's just, it can't be done at that scale. You can't.
2: I, I recently tweeted that books, just like dating and, and, and other things like that, can't be done just by algorithms. Mm-hmm. Because there's too much going on there. The thing that you might not like about one book, you might love about the other book. And it's like a personal relationship with each book that you yeah.
0: have. Well, yeah. It's, it's not a calculator. You a have to read about a dozen before you find one you like. Yeah. Yeah. Same with dating. That's that's. Same true. with dating. Yep.
1: Uh, okay, I'll I'll park that prediction for now. I <laughs> just wanted to throw it out there. I'm <laughs> going to have
0: to. This actually now sounds fun to me. I, yeah. t- t- so to me, I'm a customer for this. Like I would totally do this. I don't think I'm going to be allowed to bring a number of books into my home on a regular basis anymore, though. Why? I have a lot of books at home. Right.
1: Oh, so you just started the room.
0: Well, and also, I used to be an, an editor. And one of the things that you get, as, especially as a magazine editor, is they send you all the books. Yep. And then they just make a pile, like half this room. I and have we're a in, pile. Yeah. Yeah. And the pile is very attractive. And, and there's a fantasy that you'll read all the books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it, it's still a point of contention that I bring quite so many books home. Mm-hmm. So look, this is a really interesting story of... Of sort of the old thing being made new.
1: Yes. This is actually unusual for us because we we love to show off about our desire to disrupt. Yes. Like that's kind of what PostLight's part of Postlight's philosophy is Right, how do we blow up this entire sector? And what's represented here is actually interesting. You didn't outsmart through technology, right? It's actually outsmarted through the community and the culture around it. And I make these little jokes about, well, you will be disrupted at some point. Again, <laughs> be a, there will be a Kindle version where you'll actually turn a page to see the next page
0: or something silly. Um, right, but that's th- you don't mm-hmm. get the cultural signifier. People like the thing I think that's home.
1: right. I think that's the, that's the hard like part. You right? come
0: over, somebody comes over for dinner and you, afterwards you're, yeah. you're you know, having mm-hmm. a glass of wine and they're just looking at your shelves yeah. and you're like, oh, that one's great. Do you want to borrow yeah. it? Right. That aspect of, hu- of human life Mm-hmm. You know, we don't talk a lot about New York City is a very publishing driven place, but like this it, it's there's a reader culture yeah, mm-hmm. where that stuff is very very it's more important than you'd expect and it's a social signifier.
1: Right now, the hot term is machine learning and it truly works against you when we talk about this part of the world. Like the yeah. term machine
0: learning. Oh, this would be <laughs> is not something to show off in this part of the world. Ha- have you ever heard about the the old brand auctions? Very few people have. No. There's, there's just a great article that um, I read years ago in Ad Age. What they do every now and then, they gather together a lot of old brands like Legs. and Two um, Gs. Yeah. And Collier's <laughs> Magazine. Yeah, the pantyhose <laughs> and Collier's Magazine and things like that. And they have an auction. And they go for like three grand a pop. That's fun. It is, right? Like, And you could go be the person who owns Legs. And then what are you going to do with it? But that to me, when I hear this, (laughs) there's part of me that's like, oh yeah, I mean, this is a more formal thing. This was an ongoing business, but there was a latent value here that you're trying to unlock. And there Mm -hmm. are thousands of those floating around in the world where, but entrepreneurialism isn't aligned with, like people don't think about, oh, resurrect book of the month. They think, you know, disrupt laundry. Right. Mm -hmm. But to me, that's actually more interesting because they're floating. Yeah. Like this thing was clearly in some pain and someone came along and, and said, let's get it out of pain. And uh and now you're trying something yes but not absolutely. not destroying everything that that came before that continuity is very attractive yes i think belonging to something is very attractive
2: and and just the idea so we recently republished Lolly Willows which was the first book of the month selection ever in 1926 i think <laughs> and is it good I love it. Our members maybe didn't love it that much, but I love it. What is... It's about a witch, basically. It's a really feminist discourse that's fun to read. (laughs) This
0: this is the thing. Book of the Month clubs were never afraid of, like, witches and wizards. No. No. It's always, as you... The Book of the Month traditionally through history was you could get your Hemingway and you could get your, like, you know, a good scary tale of (laughs) Connecticut (laughs) farmhouses deeply haunted. (laughs) Well, look. This is fascinating, and uh, seems like you're having fun.
2: You I just, sure am.
0: You're reading all the books.
2: I am reading all the books. <laughs>
0: um, I guess my last question is, how? What do the writers make of it?
2: I think they love having one more outlet, right? To to be excited tr- about and beats some doing of a reading. <laughs> yes, and. Um, Some of them love it so much that they become judges. So like Alexander Chee and Cynthia Sweeney are are two um, authors who were Book of the Month club selections and then who became judges afterwards.
0: Totally makes sense. It's really fun. All right. Look, I'm going to sign up. Rich, are you going to sign up? Are you really? I probably will. Well, I have to talk to my wife about (laughs) bringing hardcover books into the home.
1: I have to say I don't read fiction
0: and I I probably Mm.
1: should read fiction. You're incredibly
0: uh, typical. Like not in an insulting way. Like right. That is the de- your demographic and the demographic of fic- fiction readers yeah. doesn't overlap. Yeah. I am actually unusual.
1: You yeah. like fiction.
0: Oh, yeah. I love fiction.
1: Yeah. No, I, I like my last book was like the adolescence of Hitler. Right, (laughs) right. Yeah, that's
2: not a good beach read. No, (laughs) not a (laughs) good (laughs) beach read.
0: See, and for me, I'm just like, oh, the thrillers sound good. Because it's hard to find good thrillers. Yeah. Yeah. I just finally found a a spy novel I like called Slow Horses. I'm very into. Oh, it's good. Yeah, it's about um, the British spies who get uh, in trouble and they have to go to a really crappy house and just kind of like be bad spies. And all they do is fight. They hate each other.
2: I want to read it.
1: Yeah, it's good. Okay, good.
0: It's good. All right, so yeah, I'm gonna I, go. I, I'm probably gonna do this. Recommend me
1: one. All right, let me let me take a stab at this. Oof. I just wouldn't on my own go and get one.
0: <sighs> I love my business partner, but I don't know if I want him. Re- I don't know if I want him reading modern literary fiction.
2: Um. You can. I mean, we also did um, David Grant's latest true crime, "Killers of the Flower Moon," which was incredible. Um, Stranger in the Woods, which is a story about the world's last—or maybe not the world's—but one of the last hermits in the United States of America, oh, It's in Maine. oh
0: yeah. So wait,
1: this is part and nonfiction. Oh part. sure. Yeah, sure, yeah, sure. yeah. Oh okay, that yeah. I could do. I, I read that. Remember that Himmler book? I recommend it to you. H-H-H-H. That's a great book. Oh, that's yeah. an F-S-G book. Fun yeah. book, yeah.
0: No, you, um, Rich, you're a New Yorker reader. So it's, it's, it's all, honestly, there's a yeah, lot you just got to mix it up for me right. a little yeah. bit. Yeah, right. that's all right. fine. So look, you sold it. Okay,
2: great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Okay. Thanks, bye-bye.
0: Okay. All right, so um, all the links are going to be on our homepage for yes. signing up and getting your own books. You know,
1: I, I thought Book of the Month was just a lowercase term.
0: No, 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 that's the thing. It's a legendary I word.
1: had, I had no idea. I thought, because, you know, there could be book of the month for, you know, military stories or book of the month for... I thought it was just a phrase.
0: All right, nobody needs to hear us talk anymore. Yeah. It's okay. like
1: Monopoly. You know, Monopoly became a word?
0: Yeah. Like that. But it was a word before it was a game. Oh, is that true? Yeah, it's about monopolistic business
1: yeah there are words that pulled this off though
0: boy this is the worst outro I've ever done (laughs) Uh, thank you for listening everybody my name is Paul Ford I'm the co-founder of Postlight and I'm Rich Ciotti this is Track Changes our podcast we are going to ask you to I don't know just rate us five stars on on iTunes you do whatever you need to do and And email us hello at postlight.com yes Uh, we're your friends we're here for you we're glad to answer any questions
1: have a great week
0: bye everybody